Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 307th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. 307. God, that's a lot, isn't it? I remember the very first one when I was sitting there. I was as nervous as hell, and uh, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen or how it was going to work. But 307 and six years later, we're, um, we're going strong. You hear us the same time every week right across the world on Voice America Business Channel. And this week, we're in Pattaya in Thailand, where I've made presentations this week to great audiences. Um, We've had a lot of fun. And I'd like to give a shout-out to students from Stanford University in Bangkok. Um, We did a bit of a session with them about entrepreneurship. And uh, so I just want to say hi to any of the students that are listening. It was terrific to have you aboard. Now, many people might think this is a pretty weird statement, but failure is really a key to success. You know, we're in a period of major disruption across almost every industry. Financial services disrupted by blockchain, manufacturers being distributed, being disrupted by uh, 3D printing, travel agents are being murdered by people like Expedia, job recruiters, most people now go to LinkedIn, delivery companies using drones. I know that uh, Domino's are using drones in the UK to deliver pizza, which they 3D print. <laughs> and so on. So one of one of the most important keys to future-proofing your business is to ensure that you continue to innovate. You know, every business, no matter how good they are, has a number of pain points that you may not be aware of, but they're the things that just piss your customers off just a little bit, but not enough for them to leave. And the key is to make sure that you eradicate those pain points before someone else comes and eradicates them and threatens your future. So it's really important to look at everything you do from the customer's perspective and determine what it is that um, you need to improve. Now, in order to continue to innovate, you should ensure that one of the key characteristics you look for when hiring is that the people you're hiring are innovative. You know, they want to be in a They don't want to just go in and do the same old stuff every day. They want to be able to work with you to help improve your business. So you should identify innovation champions throughout the organization. Find out who those people are that, that do contribute ideas and that are looking. They come in excited. You know, I want staff that come in in the morning and they're all bubbly and they're happy and they want to help you build the business and they've got some ideas about how you can get new customers or how you can streamline production or whatever. They're the people that you want in your business. You know, you want people that'll challenge you if you want to stay in business, that is, if you just if you want to fail eventually or even probably sooner than that, just keep doing the same shit you're doing because that's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. You've got to reward innovation at 3M. of employees' time can be spent creating whatever they want. So are you big enough to give your staff six hours a week that they can do whatever they want as long as it's for the betterment of the company? You know, most people aren't. Most people think, God, I'm going to wring every second out of these people doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. But um, it's not a great plan for the future. 
You should also embrace failure. You know, every time you fail, takes you one step closer to, to success. So give failure a positive value. There's two ways to look at failure. There's the first one that says, oh, bugger it, you know, knocking on doors and every time I knock on a door, um, I get rejected. And rejection can destroy you. So you've got to turn rejection into a positive. And one way to do that is to say, if I get a sale every 10 times I knock on a door, I want to go and knock on as many doors as possible because I want to get through that first nine to get the tenth. And, uh, you know, so every every failure is one-tenth of the way to success. So look at it in a positive light and it makes a huge difference. Amazon's Vice President for Global Innovation Policy and Communications, Paul Mezenat, told Retail Week's tech conference in London this week what they can learn from the economic giant's growth. His message was that to do new things, you have to be willing to fail. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. You've got to have some successes. <laughs> You're really going to be in trouble. So willingness to fail is a big deal because you've got your boss, maybe an investor, maybe the media. They're all looking for failures. Everybody wants to be able to rip people down if they can. So, you you know, they're all looking. So no one likes to fail. Well, if you accept that failure is necessary for innovation, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to deal with. And I remember um, we do a lot of think tanks and uh, I was involved with Shell where we were coming up with ideas about uh, what would a gas station look like in five years and what would a gas station look like in 10 years? How would we sell gas? Would we even have gas stations? And uh, something to remember, if at first the idea is not absolutely absurd, then don't proceed with it. You know, you don't want to be tinkering at the edges. You want to be trying to come up with things that um, make a big difference. Now, do you get my 30-second um, daily newsletter? We now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers. It takes just 30 seconds. Well, I lie a bit. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But um, it takes about a minute, let's say a minute. And every day it's about something different. You know, we'll talk about the Hyperloop. We'll talk about um, autonomous cars. We'll talk about blockchain. We'll talk about Ethereum. We'll talk about Bitcoin. We'll talk about... Um, new medical advances like CRISPR and things like that. And uh, they're things that most business people are not aware of. And they're things that you should be aware of. And so if you just listen for 30 seconds each day, read for 30 seconds each day, then you will be up with these things. Just imagine going out with the boss and you're sitting there with the boss and he says, you know, and he thinks you're just a kid working on the assembly line or something, and he mentions um, Hyperloop, and you say, yeah, they've just done the latest trial in Nevada, and it was da 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 or you're talking about blockchain. And he says, yeah, we should look at blockchain for our office because, you know, we've got all this data. Your boss is going to sit there and go, wow, this kid's pretty smart. He's too good to be sitting on the assembly line. Let's see if we can find a spot for him. So it's free. The information's invaluable. And if you don't get it, go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com, and enroll. And while you're there, incidentally, if you're, if you're sitting out there and you've got a problem in your business and you don't know um, how to solve it, just drop me an email 
go to the website, send an email at bob at bobpritchard.com, ask me the questions, and we'll get back to you with the answers. Now, it may take a week, it may take a couple of weeks, um, because we get a hell of a lot of emails, but um, if you do that, we will get back to you with some answers that um, hopefully will help your business. And if, if it's a serious issue, we'll get you on the phone, and we'll go through it with you. Okay, the food service industry's um, growing really quickly. Nobody wants to eat at home anymore, so everybody is eating out. And the food service industry is growing much, much faster than the rest of the economy. And restaurants that invest in um, technology are reaping the rewards from this. Um, you know, we're all used to now signing credit card bills with our fingers. I've never been able to work out how that works because... <laughs> my signature with my finger looks nothing like my signature. Um, but now you can pay with Bitcoin at, you know, the Starbucks and whatever, and and you can use apps to order at fast food restaurants. You walk into McDonald's and you've got a machine that you tap everything into. I mean, things are really changing. So we've got Tablet Restaurant Management, which is an iPad app that um, provides real-time views of tables, catalogs the menus, um, and... Uh, sends delivery tickets and orders to the kitchen. I mean, it's really cool, but there's a lot of other things too. There's a coloured LED alert system that just lights up on the wall and tells you if something that's in the oven needs to come out or the um, dishwasher's finished washing or whatever you want to set it to, and it just puts it on the wall so every person that's working in your kitchen can look up and know that something has to be done and exactly when it needs to be done. Now, here's, here's one for you. There's a new employee monitoring system and your identifi identification badges are equipped with radio frequency transmitters and it alerts the system when you go to the bathroom. The system tracks how long the washing lasted, whether you use soap or sanitizer, and it also monitors workers to see if they're wearing gloves and hats while handling food. So if you're not giving your hands a good scrub, you're going to be in trouble and the boss is going to know. So, and if I'm in your restaurant, make sure you wash your hands. <laughs> Among all the tech advances impacting dining, Instagram is the biggie. Um, most restaurants em embrace um, Instagram now as a marketing tool. Millennials dine out more than any other generation or segment of the population. They spend $174 a month on average in restaurants. And there's 50 million millennials out there on Instagram. So it's affecting restaurants in the fact that in decor and design, now people are now paying more attention to elements like the art and the walls, the way the table surface contrasts with the plate so they can get great photos. You see these wombats that sit in the sit in restaurants and take photos of their food and send, send it out on um, Instagram. Never been able to work that out, really, but people are doing it, and a lot of them. Now, Seymour's in New York, which is a light-filled beachy eatery with bright props of colour, took, took Instagram 100% into account when they were designing their restaurant. So people have become great at documenting spaces and things you now have literally millions of people out there posting those beautiful images. Interesting in design is an investment in social media marketing and a very valuable one. Presentation of the food 
Instagram's also led to a more creative presentation of food and a greater emphasis on plating. Now, you probably know this, but one of the great, most popular dishes of 2016, thanks totally to, uh, to social media, is the milkshake from Black Tap Craft Burgers and Beer in New York. I don't know whether you've seen them. They're unbelievable. The milkshakes are if I said they were outrageously decorated, I'd be underselling it. They're colourful masterpieces that are a social media match made in heaven. They look unbelievable. And, of course, everybody that goes there um, sends them out on Instagram. And it's got to the stage where people see them and uh, they know exactly where they're from. And uh, in I used to go to Washington, D.C. a lot because my son went to college there. And... Um, the, there's a, a place called Serendipity that sells a dessert that costs $1,150, a single dessert, $1,150. And you know what? They sell a shedload of them. Why? I have no idea. But they sell a lot of them. And everybody who buys this $1,100 dessert sticks it up on Instagram. So... You know, it spreads the word very quickly. So we're also seeing uh, a shift in how restaurants are creating purposeful Instagrammable moments with special touches that are designed to um, entice social sharing. At Dante, a popular Italian restaurant, again in New York, special cocktails are made with custom ice, stamped with the restaurant's name, so people are um, posting photos of the drinks and the ice cubes. <laughs> people have got to get more to do, don't they? I'm going to go to a restaurant. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to have a lovely lunch. And while I'm here, I might take photos of the ice cubes. That sounds like a pretty cool thing to do. God. In our day, was different. Mission Chinese food present their drinks in a super stunning and unique way. Think whole coconuts. Purple illuminating light bulbs and brass pineapples as glasses. When diners Instagram these drinks, followers recognise where it's from. It sounds like a um, massive exercise in bad taste to me. I think if I walked in and I was given a glass that looked like a pineapple and it was all gold and my um, drink was purple, hmm. I'm not sure that I'd be lining up to buy too many of those. However, people do. So with customers photographing and Instagramming the entire dining experience these days, restaurants have become incredibly thoughtful about more than just their menus. From plating to decor, the entire dining experience is now a necessary focus and you've got to take Instagram into account. Otherwise, you lose. A company called Emerging Trends provides excellent returns to investors for as little as 5000 bucks. Now, I don't know if you're like me, though. You know, you sit there and you go, what am I going to do with my money? You know, I put it in the bank, they give me 1%. And um, if I put it in into the share market, you know, all of a sudden there's a, a downturn and my money's gone. It's really difficult to get a good return on, on your funds that's, um, that's secure. Well... It's important because we're in a very interesting time and place in the world. It's a place where the ordinary guy with ordinary income is taken into the banking system and abused by the banks 
I mean, they pay you nothing. You say, I've got some money to put in the bank. How much can I get of that? And they say, 1%. Oh, incidentally, I want a car loan. And they say, yeah, we can give you a car loan for 8.5%. I mean, screw them. So the little guy needs to be able to leverage his money to make better profits. And you'll hear the bank say, oh, we can only pay you 1%, otherwise we can't operate. You know, it's just bullshit. So the thing with the banks is you can't trust them and they certainly won't pay fair. In fact, banks are making record profits. In Australia, and I only know this because I saw the figures this morning, the banks are making absolute, they're the most profitable segment of the community. And every year, wages are flat, wages are actually going down, and yet banks are making more and more and more money. So it's time for the ordinary guy to come from behind and look after himself. So how do we do that? We want a safe investment. We want to get a regular income or income and capital growth. So I was fortunate to speak to the Emerging Trends team in Thailand this week, and they work with a developer to produce great returns for people. The development's been paying regular monthly returns of up to 10% to their clients for over eight years. And Emerging Trends is a sales company who are selling the developers property solutions to investors from all over the world. Now, these guys are right at the cutting edge of what is legal, what isn't legal. They they um, work with the SEC in the in the US, and which is the Securities and Exchange Commission. They know how to deliver, and it's a simple system. The developer designs and builds the properties, and the sales organisation sells to clients who in turn lease the property back to the developer for ten years. In exchange, the developer pays the investor a monthly fee. So you invest, you've got property as a security, and every month for up to 15 years if you want it, you're getting a return that's 10 times what you're going to get in the bank and secured by real estate. How good is that? So the properties, there are a mix of retail, office, and condominiums. They also... Um, in some of their buildings, use the condominiums as hotel rooms and sell these to tourists on daily rates. So the investor has power and a fair return. But the best part is that you can invest for as little as $5,000. So if you've got $5,000, wouldn't you rather be getting 10% on it or 7% on it or depending on the deal that you do, rather than putting it in your bank and getting one? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's companies and products like this that are going to further disrupt the bank's business models. You know, banks, have, they're, they're big, fat and happy, you know, and it's time somebody changed that. So power is now in the hands of a few, but coming up, it's going to be for the little guy is finally going to get a good shot at um, changing the way the world financial system operates. So it's time for the working man to get a good return and on their hard-earned funds. This is a great start. So if, you're, if you've got some money hanging around, you've got five grand or 10 or 50 or a million and you want to get a really good return up to 10%, make sure you go to Emerging Trends. And if you can't, if you, if you forget them or whatever, then just drop me an email and I'll get the guys to, um, to get in touch with you. Now, my guest today is Reagan Hillier, who's a serial entrepreneur, 
philanthropist, thought leader, change maker, online influencer and mindset coach. Hmm. Reagan's trained thousands of people using powerful mindset-changing tools and cutting-edge business development strategies. I'll be back with Reagan on Voice America Business after this very short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're broadcasting from Pattaya in Thailand. And over the last six years in this interview segment, we've given you insights into the lives of over, I think, about 350 or 360 of the world's most interesting business people. We've talked about what they do, the challenges that they've faced, and what we try to do is work out what the hell makes them tick. It's very difficult to be successful. And uh, the latest figures that I've seen show that only about 5% of people are successful, so 95% of people fail. And yet they've got good products. So the reason they fail is because they don't do the things that successful people do. So it's really important to get advice and assistance from all those entrepreneurs that have come before us, read books, and just follow the paths of successful people. You certainly don't want to repeat the mistakes that others have made. So the aim of this segment is to give you the knowledge and hopefully the will to address the fundamental issues, get you to get off your ass, and to assist you to become highly successful. Regan Hillier is a serial entrepreneur, and uh, she specialises in helping experts uncover their true meaning and launch powerful personal brands, helping them make a big impact and build a legacy. We, um, we often talk about personal brands on this show and the importance today of building a personal brand. And it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur and you're building a personal brand in the marketplace for yourself or whether you're in, employed by somebody. If you, The more you build your personal brand, the more you get noticed. The more you get noticed, the more chance you are of getting a raise and perhaps one day knocking that um, boss of yours right off his perch. 
Now, Regan's trained thousands of people, helping them build multiple six and seven figure businesses, location free, using powerful mindset changing tools and cutting edge business development strategies. Regan, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Um, I wanted to start off with a tricky question. When I look up um, your CV, if you like, serial entrepreneur, philanthropist, thought leader, musician, um, a whole bunch of architect and a whole bunch of other stuff, um, we had trouble tracking down any of that. Um, And uh, so I was just wondering why you include it if it isn't strictly true doesn't it dampen your message i mean i find i've got a history of 20 years in the entertainment business i'm the chairman of a film company in los angeles and i'm involved with this australian theater company and a whole bunch of other things but i don't go out there and promote them as part of my business because i think business people think otherwise you're too fragmented you know i phone right in on what my business focus is. Do you find that saying that you're an architect and a musician and all those other things detract from the focus in business as far as the public goes? Oh, yeah, Bob, it's a really, really, really great question, and I love that you've brought it up. Um, just to be totally clear, you know, I am not a practicing architect or musician, so to speak, in this moment in time. However, that is my path and it is my journey. And, you know, I share it for a few different reasons. You know, I help a lot, a lot of people in business that consider themselves to be multi-talented. And so they really ultimately could go in about 20 different directions, and they have a little bit of a challenge actually niching down and figuring out what is my one thing. So the minute they see someone and connect with someone and goes, wow, you know, it's not like she was born knowing she did this one thing. She had options too and here's what she's done. It allows them to to relax into that a little bit. And I think it's also really important that people feel your personal story and they can see the transition points. So my story, for example, of studying architecture and being very good at it, but also feeling totally lost and confused and disconnected from my purpose here in this world and seeing that transition through to where I am now um, and I believe it really gives people hope that, wow, even if I am on a path and even if I am good at what I'm doing on this path, there are some other options and there's even more greatness available. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um, I find that most of the people that I deal with um, in business are unbelievably focused on what they're doing and they don't let anything uh, detract from where Tim Draper's the one exception. Um, you know, as you know, Tim Draper is one of the biggest entrepreneurs, uh, VCs in the world, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's a good musician. But he, you know, he's the only one that I can think out of all the thousands of business people that I know that um, isn't razor sharp focus. Mm, well, no, I think you definitely do need to have focus, absolutely, and it's it's definitely not about having a, a split focus, but it's about drawing into your story and also allowing yourself to create success in a way where it's in total alignment with the truth of who you are. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people in business that put on a mask and they stand out there and they say, you know what, I'm just all about this one thing, and then there's parts of their soul that starts to die, to be completely honest, because they're not honoring who they are as a whole, and instead they're trying to show up in a way where they feel like this is what the world needs and I have to put on this mask and put on this front 
instead of honoring the truth and the core of their personality. And what I've really seen is that people that can stand in their authentic truth, people that can bring all of themselves to the table, people start connecting with them, people start trusting in them, people start being magnetized towards them, and they might even not know why, but ultimately it's because they're being authentic with who they are at the end of the day. Yeah, okay. I'll kind of wear that. So tell us about your journey. Where did you where did you start and how did you get to where you are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in Auckland, New Zealand, and I came from, a, I guess, a very traditional family that believes in the system and education and going to school and you know working really hard and getting good grades, and I did exactly that. And um, I never really knew what I wanted to do with my life. And my dad always said, you know, if I had the opportunities that you had, I would go and I would have studied and I would have been an architect. And I thought, well, that must be a great thing to do. So I found myself... Um, completing this degree in architecture but feeling totally lost and unsatisfied and unfulfilled even though I was working really hard and I was good at it and um, that's what really threw me into the personal development industry you know answering some some really big questions as a 17 18 year old around why am I here and is it true do I have to just you know work really hard and have a job and pay some bills and die like is that really my reality and what if I was to do something different and what does it look like in terms of wealth creation how do these pieces fit together and so that's when I, I really, you know, jumped into everything. <laughs> I did a, a magnitude of different strategies and business development and, and you know, personal education um, in excess of a million dollars, um, just under a million dollars, sorry, that I've invested in my own education. And from there, you know, I naturally had people start to come to me and simply ask me, hey, you know, I'm seeing that you've started businesses. I'm seeing that you're changing your life. I see you look happier. How are you doing it? And that's when I just really naturally and organically started helping people. I never thought I wanted to be a coach. I never did a certification in life coaching and tried to build that as a brand. It happened really organically. And I started helping the people closest to me. And from there, I started seeing them then change their lives. And they were coming back and thanking me. And I thought, you know what? This feels really good. And for me, that was the first place that I really touched upon purpose and really touched upon, wow, you know what? I can actually do something and create value and feel really good about it in the process. And before I knew it, I basically created myself a job. I was working. Yes. massive hours a day back to back on the phone coaching people um, and you know I kind of thought there, there must be more leverage in this this is this is getting silly I love it but I'm drained and exhausted and there's only one of me and so that's when I started speaking and I started marketing my own events and filling rooms across Australia and New Zealand and I figured out basically I could spend one hour talking to 50 people and you know it was a lot more leveraged and then from there you know that business did well but it also hit a cap it hit a cap with the model that I was using and I thought to myself, it was roughly just over two years ago, uh, you know, where is the next step? Where is the next level of leverage? Um, what does this look like? How can I reach more people, help more people, um, and also have a little bit more freedom around my lifestyle? And then that's what transitioned me online and really looking at how do I take these learnings and how do I package them up in terms of online services and, and courses and still do live events where I desire. Um, but that is literally the, the brand Regan Hillier International that you see today. Okay, so you do a lot of speaking? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I do I do speaking in terms of keynotes, but I also speak in terms of filling my own live events. And what I love doing mostly is um, actually really small events. I love having 10 to 15 people in the room, and I love, um, you know, connecting in with people for two, three days and going really deep in terms of a deep dive. I love that type of speaking, especially. 
So how do you how do you charge for that? Does if somebody I contact you when I say, look, I'm feeling a bit lost. Um, I want to increase my income. I want to increase. I want to be better at what I do. Um, so you say, join one of my seminars or get online, and then you do a training course. Right? Is that how you is that how you work it? Yeah, correct, correct. And we have a, a large spectrum of different products and services um, starting out from, you know, really low end, you know, $9, $27, $97, um, right through uh, to literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's a combination of online and offline. Um, you know, we have live events um, which go for two or three days, which started around the 6th mark, upwards from there. So there's, um, there's lots of different touch points and that's something I've been really, I guess, intentional around creating in the business is really looking at how do I serve people across the board? Because someone who's ready to spend, say, you know, $100,000 is a, is a very different person to someone who's searching online and is maybe ready to invest $9.70 into a quick, you know, PDF with some tangible action they can take. So if somebody who pays you $100,000 for a session, what do they get for that? And how- um, so look, yeah, yeah. So I work with people um, privately and I take on five people per year and that's on a, a 12-month basis. So that is really the high-level mentoring and coaching. And something in terms of that relationship over that 12 months is really an all-in access to whatever it is that they need. So they have complete personal access to me. I look at it as a co-creation. It's very much their business and their brand and their mission and their purpose becomes mine during that time period. And we really deep dive around who do they need to become in order to call in this next level of Success. And so, again, that's full access to anything they need, which I'm doing in terms of live events or retreats and immersions, also the online products. But then, obviously, the daily conversation that we have together um, through, you know, emails, texts, and WhatsApps, which go back and forth, so that we can move really, really, really quickly and intentionally with their success moving forward. Do you get involved? So, your focus is on their personal development, that you don't deep dive into their business or you know what they're doing right or wrong or how what technology they should implement or any of that sort of stuff yeah look it's a great question there is a bit of a crossover i would say 80 percent of it is very much around their personal development it's very much around who do they need to become in order to be that person that can really embody that next level of success and then of course there is some strategic stuff uh over on top of that where we may look especially in the online world around okay how are you launching products and services what's working what's not where can we pull this apart where can we even deconstruct some things which are working to create space for the new that needs to flow in um, and often in this place strategically online um, you know I'm very aware around where my greatness is and I'm, I'm very quick to say okay look I, I think you need this strategy but you should go here to this person to get it so sometimes it's the case strategically of redirecting them into a deep dive with someone else um, but very much you know the place where I'm playing is around who do they need to become in order to shift to this next level. Yeah, I guess one of the problems is, you know, people, when they go to conferences, I find that, you know, I, I do a lot. I've done a couple of thousand business conferences and I'm up here doing three and you get, um, you know, you know when you walk out on stage that probably three people in the audience are going to take any notice of you and they're going to get up tomorrow morning and they're going to change and the other 97% are going to go along and do the same shit they're doing already. And going to end up in exactly the same place. They'll come along and see you in 12 months' time and they haven't moved. Mm. Um, so how do, you, how do you address that or you just focus on those who really want to be successful? 
Yeah, look, there's, there's two sides to it, and I absolutely a thousand percent agree with you. You know, firstly, in terms of where I'm putting my personal focus, time, and energy, just working with five people privately in that intimate space each year, those people are extremely committed. They're generally already at an extremely high level of success, and they're looking to elevate, and they're very much the people that are ready and willing to do whatever it takes. Um, I guess you don't invest that amount of money um, if you're not serious about it. Um, but of course, you know, this is definitely something we look at um, across the board and other products and services because it's true. You know, there are so many people where they enroll into an online course, for example, and then they don't even watch the training. Yeah. And so we're really looking at, yeah, we're really looking at um, continuously how do we increase the touch points? How do we really make sure that they're supported in a community? How do we have them connected in from an emotional point from the beginning of the course? So a lot of our high-level online courses, for example, they'll go through a really deep questionnaire before we begin the course, which really can connects them more than anything from an emotional driver's perspective so they can enroll themselves into their own level of commitment for themselves, not even for us. And then obviously we have an amazing support team and a team of coaches which are really connecting in to make sure that they're on track, that they're not getting lost in the system, that they're getting tangible results. You know, every single one of our high-level products, um, which I guess other people would have running just as a, a standard group program with webinars where people just click in. We're always looking at, okay, how do we add in like a private VIP community, which is a Facebook group where they can ask questions, where they can be supported, where there's accountability, where we all post the task each week, um, where we can see who's showing up and actually doing the task. And then I also have built out a coaching team. We currently have roughly 15 coaches which connect in and they get a certain amount of private one-on-one calls with them. Um, and these guys are trained through me and they understand the system and so then they're actually supported even if it's a group program and they feel like they've been connected with one-on-one because they are rather than being you know another statistic basically and lost in the system sure are your are your trainers located worldwide or are they all in the antipodes somewhere yeah, no, they're absolutely, um, they're absolutely completely location-free. So they're all working all around the world and from their laptops. So, you know, in terms of the coaching team, we have coaches in Australia, uh, New Zealand, the US, Iceland, um, the States, just everywhere, <laughs> literally. Um, they're fairly scattered and we like that as well um, because uh, our clients that come through are completely global and always in slightly different markets and places. Um, so it means we're kind of across the time zones as well, which is nice. Do you, do you find there's a resistance to um, Australia, New Zealand uh, businesses and products and whatever in most of the rest of the world? Um, look, I haven't encountered it too much. I, I don't. I definitely don't think of it as a, um, a limiting factor. However, I think I have been un- aware of it. I guess at a at a small level. Um, for example, like everything we do, we charge in US dollars, even though technically we're set up in Australia. Um, so I think that was something for me. I was aware of going into, I guess, a global market and needing to be um, seen as one of those people connecting on that level. But I definitely don't think it's a big thing, which. Um, which holds us back. Yeah, we, we find that uh, like I've been living in the state. I'm from Australia, obviously, but I've been living in um, mm. the States for 30 years. And we've found, for example, with con- most consumer products, the quickest way to increase their sales if they're a consumer product in, say, a supermarket is to take the word Australia off the label. Um, and mm-hmm. when I was working for tourism uh, Australia, you find that um, 
you, you talk to people and you say, well, what do you think about Australia? And they say, oh, they've got great sports people and some of the best rock and roll bands and they have fantastic swimmers and they've got, you know, whatever. And then you say, do you think they're, um, where do you think they are technologically and in business? And people say, nah, you know, Australia, they're nowhere there. They're, they're all about fun and rock and roll. Um, and that is a, a view that sort of permeates and I'm, I was just wondering how you went. I think if I, if I wasn't living in the States, I mean, I've got a great business worldwide and sell a shitload of books and all of that, but if I wasn't living in the US and I wasn't doing it from the US, I think I would suffer. You don't find that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do think it's a valid point. Um, and, you know, now I think about it, it has been something I've been considering, especially over the last couple of years. Um, hence, I've been spending time in the US. And um, I was actually last year living over there for roughly six months and um, speaking over there more and being seen over there more. So, you know, I, I really believe out of anywhere in the world, the US is that gateway into global markets, um, I think more so than other countries and positioning and aligning yourself with that. Um, so, definitely is aware of it and you know for anyone listening and wanting to really accelerate their brand I, I, I do believe that you have to be playing over there at a certain level and the more you can I, I think it really is going to be beneficial yeah I find that when I speak in Australia I'm going off to Australia as soon as I get back out of here to give a speech in, in Melbourne and one of the issues that we have is when you talk about things that are happening in the States and happening quickly you know the, the all of the um, um stock markets and banks and insurance companies and all of those people going into blockchain, autonomous cars, you can drive down the street in Los Angeles and get passed by a car without a driver. Um, you know, all of these things, when you mention them in Australia, people go, I don't know anything about it. Cryptocurrency. Right. I don't know anything about it. And yet these are things that are, you know, taking place every day quicker and quicker and quicker in the US. So how, how do you... When I was talking about whether you address people's personal development or whether you um, address their business development, I had a meeting yesterday with some people and I said, you know, you, you're recording a lot of information. You need to put this on blockchain and you need to do it now. And they go, mm -hmm. um, what's blockchain? You know, so mm -hmm. um, how, how do you address that or you just don't bother about it? Do you mean personally or with yeah, clients? Yeah, no, with clients. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, um, you know, I very much I speak into a global market with them from the beginning. And look, even if I have people come through and they're in my courses and they're looking at starting a brand and they're literally just starting out, I always tell them that they need to have a mindset of connecting and thinking on a global scale. I think it's kind of the opposite of what's been taught. You know, over the years, people say that you start locally and then branch out and grow. I'm the opposite. I'm like, okay, let's start, let's start globally and you'll grow into that brand. And, you know, I get asked a lot even with people starting their brands, you know, do I buy the .com.au or the .co.nz? I'm like, well, you can if you want, but don't use it. You know, use the .com. And if it's not there, change your website. But you need the .com. You need Absolutely. to be perceived as global in that way. So, no, yes. I'm a big advocate of, of starting big and then, you know, growing into it. Well, this is a discussion that we've had a lot and never really come to a decision. Do you think people are born to achieve or do you think you can get the average Fred and teach him to be an achiever? It's a great question. I get asked it a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, I think there's two. Yeah, I think there's. 
I think there's two answers to it. Um, I truly believe that people that are born to succeed, especially in terms of being a high-level entrepreneur and especially in terms of making a massive impact, I do believe it's born. I believe it's something that is literally in the cells of your body and it's in the, the essence of your soul. And, and when you look into the eyes of a, a true entrepreneur, you can see that drive. You can see that focus. You can feel their intention and you can feel literally like they're going to do whatever it takes until they get there. Now, on the other hand, can someone do an online course? Can they learn some strategies? Can they get motivated? Can they have some level of success? I believe the answer is yes also. But can that same person, if they're sitting at home doing that, let's say they're a single mom working three other jobs and they're you know stressed out and they're putting an hour a day into it, can they create some part-time income on the side and, and maybe leave their job? Absolutely, yes. But are they going to be Tony Robbins? Are they going to be Gary Vaynerchuk? Are they going to be that essence of person? I don't believe so. I think there's two different categories. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. So when you um, when somebody comes to you, I, I phone you and I say, look, I, I would like to de- develop myself personally. I'd like to get more ambition or I'd like to learn how to work smarter or I'd like to do whatever. Do you ascertain first where I where you perceive me wanting to be some people's definition of success is so different than other people's is that something you take into account or before you start um, revving them up Absolutely. And I, I think it's really critical. It's so important. And, and you're right. You know, the word success means something so different yeah, um, to, to so many different people. It really does. So, no, myself and the team always check in on that. And we always are really interested. You know, what are you looking to call into your life? What are you looking to create? What's your vision? Where do you see yourself in 12 months' time? Um, and from that, just from simply them answering those few questions, we can get a really good gauge of going, okay, cool, awesome. You want to make a couple of grand a month on the side over here, come here and let's do this. Okay, wow, amazing. You're already doing seven figures plus and we need to scale you to 10 million. Okay, come over here. Um, so obviously, you know, they're going to be very different pathways for those two people. Um, but I think it's critical and, and more people need to stop and actually ask some good questions before just jumping in with what they believe the answer is. You know? Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about alignment, why it's important in success and how you teach it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I truly believe it's everything when it comes to success. There's so many people out there who've created a massive amount of success, but it feels heavy, they're super unhappy, they're tired, they're overworked, and it doesn't feel good ultimately. And I look at that and I think, you know, what's the point? Why not create something that is easy, that's in flow, that feels amazing, um, that you wake up really excited about each and every single day? And so people always ask me, like, okay, Regan, in that case, you know, how do you get into alignment? And I throw them back a question and I say, well, what are you aligning to? And this is where people are a little bit foggy and unclear and and they've generalized everything. And they say, well, I'm aligning to success. I'm aligning to abundance. I'm aligning to more money. It's like, what is that? Is that an extra dollar each year? Is that an extra $100, $100,000? Like, what is that? And so I feel like once people get clear on their vision and what they're looking to call in and what they're truly looking to create, then it becomes a very easy conversation. Then it's like, okay, do I need to go left or do I need to go right? And you simply ask yourself, well, which way is going to pull me further into alignment with my vision? Which way is going to pull me away from it? And trust 
trust me, some of those things which can <laughs> pull people out of alignment can still be sexy, shiny distractions. They can look really good, these opportunities, but you need to check in and go, is this actually propelling me forward into my vision or is it taking me slightly away from it? And then when you get to really play in this place each and every single day, that's when you do the things that you love and that's when you start seeing results and that's when it starts going even faster because you're coming from this place of alignment instead of jumping around and hoping that you're going to get somewhere. Do you feel that most people, or do you do you find that most people relate success to how much money they're making, or because I, I think that people who love what they do tend to be successful and make shed loads of money, and people who work for money tend to end, hate what they do and not make anything like what they think they're going to make. Oh, I completely agree with you. I a thousand percent agree with you, and there's a lot of people out there where they've linked up success and money and you know what, you, you will create that. You'll probably, you know, create the money at some point. But again, it'll it'll feel not amazing. It, it won't feel like it's the best life ever. You know, you won't have this feeling of total passion and enjoyment because I truly believe that when you dig deep into your purpose and when you come from a heart of service and when you do what you love in this world, if you do it well, the money is just an automatic default. It just shows up if you understand the basic principles of business and money and alignment and mindset. And if you can piece it all together, of course the money is going to flow. But if you make money the outcome, um, yeah, it's, it's a sad place to play. Absolutely. So what's the, what's the best advice? We've got, um, I don't know, 600-something thousand people listening to this show and most of them are entrepreneurs or business executives. Um, what's the best business advice you can give to those people out there that are sitting listening saying... Yeah, absolutely. Look, the best business advice I would give at the end of the day is to do the work on yourself. You know, there's so many strategies out there and there's so many different ways that you can get from A to B. And the difference between someone that sits in a room and receives a strategy and does the work internally versus someone who gets the exact same strategy and then doesn't take any action is quite simply what's going on inside. And this is why I'm so committed to helping people with their inner game and rewiring their mindsets and their psychology and getting them into alignment and having them come into a place of truth because all of a sudden when you commit to doing that when you look at what is going on internally what's the resistance why am I scared of this you know what is actually going on and you start releasing everything inside which is holding you back generally speaking the strategy is not rocket science it's not that hard it's not hard to do the do each and every single day and take aligned action if you're rewiring yourself to succeed what um what's next for Reagan where do you go from here (laughs) Look, for me, um, it's all of what's coming and more. I'm in a place right now where I'm truly madly in love with my business. I'm madly in love with the people I get to serve. I, I get to live a beautiful life of freedom. I get to contribute. And for me, it's just scaling and it's accelerating it and it's shifting it to the next level. So obviously we have amazing revenue goals in place at Regan Hillier International. We have bigger contribution goals. We have goals in terms of how many people we're looking to reach, touch and inspire every year. And it's just continuing to play that game and scale it more and more and more whilst keeping it in total alignment. That's that's really where we're at right now. What's the biggest challenge you've ever faced? Hmm, the biggest challenge I've ever faced um, was most likely creating something which was really, I guess on the outside, pretty successful, but totally out of alignment. Um, 
I shared in my story where I said I started I started speaking um, to rooms and filling rooms around Australia and New Zealand, and you know that was a, a million dollar a year business. And from the outside, you know, people were saying, you know, wow, you know what, you've you've achieved a lot. You're so lucky. I wish I was in your shoes. I was I was about 23 at the time, roughly, and people were I guess impressed by it. And I remember this moment where I had about 50 people in a room. They must have invested roughly five thousand dollars a piece to be there. And I remember standing outside the room about to go in and speak and literally not wanting to go inside. And I remember this feeling in the gut of my stomach thinking, you know, something's not right. And so, of course, I went in and fulfilled the room. But after that event, I actually I took myself off to, to Bali of all places. And I took four weeks out and I was committed to figuring out what was that feeling because it felt so out of alignment and it didn't feel good. And for me, that's when I realized I'd build something which wasn't in alignment with the truth of my vision, my big vision of what I wanted to create. And it was only slightly out of alignment. This is the trick is so many people would go, oh, you know, just ignore it. Just keep doing the do, just focusing, you know, it, it'll be fine. You know, just get over it. Be grateful for what you have. And for me, I realized, okay, with that business model and structure, I wasn't able to reach the people that I wanted to reach, which is what flips me online. And also it wasn't conducive to the lifestyle I wanted to live. I had to be in Australia or New Zealand to speak multiple times a week and if I left everything massively dramatically slowed down um, so I completely shut that business down I walked away from it and I literally started from scratch in a very different way um, and it was it was challenging it was hard um, I had a lot of mentors people um, strategists and friends telling me that I was crazy and that I shouldn't have done that but looking back it was one of the most defining moments and also a moment I'm super proud of but it was challenging at the time Regan, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about Regan, go to reganhillier.com. That's R-E-G-A-N-H-I-L-L-Y-E-R.com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel, and we're the number one global business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, and this week we're broadcasting from Pattaya, I'm never quite sure whether it's Pattaya or Pattaya, but either way, in Thailand, where I've made some presentations in the last week to very enthusiastic audiences, it's been great. Now, according to MailGuard, 70% of small businesses that suffer cyber security breaches don't last six months. Once you penetrate it, it's over. It's a bit like a virgin, really. Online fraud is now so commonplace that criminal gangs are using it as part of a wider range of activities so they can least sceptical public. There's been a rapid normalisation of online fraud as people see how profitable it can be. So you see an industry that um, adjusting to combat that because there's just so many attacks occurring on a day-to-day basis. 
It was evident in May this year when there was a, an unprecedented attack on thousands of computer systems around the world after a worm dubbed WannaCry, encrypted computers in more than 150 countries with ransoms to $300 to $600 in order to restore your access. There are an estimated 45,000 attacks in just a couple of days. So one of the reasons these attacks spread so easily is that the businesses and consumers don't update their software on a regular basis. People don't realise that they're leaving their system vulnerable because they don't understand the nature of these random attacks. At the heart of the problem is the diversification of organised crime. We don't tend to think of organised crime in this way. We think of organised crime plotting to rob a bank. It's a damn sight easier to sit behind a bank of computers and just look for people who haven't got their, um, their computers protected. And these criminals are very savvy at business. They need to diversify because they don't want just one scam to bring in all their revenue. It could be shut down or they may have a slow month. And then they've got a cash flow problem just like the rest of us. So hacks and threat of information theft have led to a mis mistrust of e-commerce among sections of the population. To counter that unease, simple measures need to be enacted by retailers and the public in order to maintain the public's trust. Now, you can achieve this very simply by creating a trustworthy environment for consumers, such as serving websites via SSL, which establishes a secure and encrypted connection between the, between the customer and the businesses. But for both businesses and consumers, one simple thing remains consistent. Those who can keep both their security up to date and their passwords secure will be far ahead of the curve of the average business or consumer. And the bad guys will always hack into someone that's easy. They won't go for the hard ones. They go for the easy ones. And don't use variations of one password on lots of accounts because they get in one, they get in all of your accounts. So make sure your passwords have lots of characters and include random numbers and symbols and capital letters and whatever, steer away from obvious words. I mean, it's really, I, I know for us it's a pain in the ass because you've got 10 different things you've got passwords for and all your passwords are different and they've all got lots of numbers in them. It is really difficult. But keeping your customer's information secure is paramount. And one way to do this is using Braintree, which is a PayPal service, and it's a payment platform that specializes in payment security and offers a range of solutions for business. And it includes tokenization to ensure customers' credit card information is totally secure. With a combination of this secure technology and the scale and familiarity, God, some of these words are hard, familiarity of PayPal, you and your customers can feel confident that your transactions are protected. Do you get my 30-second read business newsletter every day? Well, you should. If you're not, there's something wrong with you. If you want to keep up with what's happening in the world today, you need to get my newsletter. It costs nothing, free, nada. You can't get a better deal than that. And it takes just 30 seconds and every day we tackle a different subject. If you had to listen to my program about four months ago, you probably would have bought Ethereum or blockchain. And you would have been way, way, way ahead. 
So get online, enrol. Um, you won't regret it, I promise you. And if you do regret it, just go on to the um, unsubscribe and unsubscribe. Now remember, if you are not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. If you want to live your life being ordinary, go ahead and do it. Me? Not interested. It's better to aim for the stars and miss than aim for the gutter and succeed. That's easy. Don't take the easy way out. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how fantastic it is and how amazing that you can really be. So I hope you have a sensational week and I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I will be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard again in Los Angeles where technology meets entertainment. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.